These are challenging times for everyone, but the challenges are different and more acute for some of us more than others. For example, routine and structure may be things that some of us like, while other people rely on the stability that they provide. Hello, you're very welcome to today's You OK podcast. I hope you're having a good week so far and that you're finding the sunshine to be a mood booster. I love being out in it, I have to say, but then I also kind of find myself craving coastline. So it's a difficult dance for all of us at the moment. Today, I'm joined by Aidan Corr. Now, Aidan is a senior educational psychologist who works with children and young people with autism and their families. Aidan talks about some of the particular challenges these strange times pose for people living with autism. He also shares advice for how to support people in managing these challenges and points us in the direction of some really good supports. For those of us not overly familiar with autism spectrum disorders, Aidan begins by just explaining some clinical characteristics that can be associated with autism. Clinically, it's um, a collection of characteristics um, associated with social communication difficulties, social interaction difficulties, and what could be described as um, restricted or repetitive um, patterns of activities, interests or um, hobbies and things like that. It's a neurodevelopmental condition, which means that it occurs in the brain during the developmental period. So I suppose because the brain is so complicated, um, that's why each person with autism is quite different. Um, so I suppose one way to look at it would be a person with autism might look at the world or interpret the world in quite a different way to someone without autism or a neurotypical person. Autism is associated with sensory difficulties as well. That is, you know, it could be hyper or hypo uh, sensitive. So that's overly sensitive or maybe undersensitive to sensory stimulation. So that's things like the look of something. It could be sensitivity to light or sound or texture, touch, um, lots of things like that. So I suppose if, if I try to put myself into the shoes of someone with autism, the world can be quite a scary and overwhelming place. So so when you consider those difficulties with interacting with other people, so it's difficulties with understanding the rules or conventions in terms of typical socialization or, you know, greeting people or getting on with people, establishing friendships and then maintaining those friendships over time, really kind of abstract and, and difficult concepts for lots of people. But they're particularly can be particularly challenging for a person with autism. I know Adam Harris, who's quite a, a great advocate uh, for people with autism and has yeah. uh, autism himself, would kind of uh, compare it to being on a foreign planet. So arriving onto Mars and just kind of having to navigate the, the difficulties in terms of what are those people saying and how do I interact and things smell different and things look different. So, yeah, a lot of the kind of recent research really is moving uh, more towards celebrating the differences, I suppose, that people with autism would present with how they view the world differently. And I suppose with that comes, you know, a, a sense of community as well uh, in terms of people with autism maybe having a unique understanding within their own community. At the moment, obviously, many people are struggling with feelings of uncertainty or finding, you know, confinement mm. difficult or having to change up their routines in terms of working from home or homeschooling or whatever. How are some of the challenges mm. that the situation we're in at the moment, how are some of those proving challenging for people on the autism spectrum? 
I suppose a, a key characteristic or trait for lots of people at Austin would be this desire for sameness. So the importance of routine or keeping things quite consistent. Um, working with families myself, the two phrase, two words I'd often use with them would be predictability and consistency. So I suppose with lockdown or changes to routine, that would have disrupted people with autism's routine massively. So whether it's, you know, school not being there anymore, being out of routine from going to school or university, or, you know, changes like working from home or not working at all, not being able to go out to visit people, not seeing people you normally see, not engaging in, you know, interventions or therapies or not not being able to carry the routine, that will have a huge effect on a person with autism spectrum disorder. And I suppose to, to include with that for parents of, of people diagnosed with autism as well, you know, there's a lot of worries out there in terms of accessing those services, understanding a little bit about autism spectrum disorder. It's explaining what's going on too. So it's a second kind of difficulty really. How do we explain to a person with autism what's actually happening? Uh, so from the research, we know that people with autism um, understand information better when it's presented visually. So things that are a little bit abstract. So to go back to kind of the difficulties in terms of making friends, how do you describe to someone? How do you make friends? Yeah. You know, for lots of us, it's it's difficult, you know. Um, how do you make the abstract a bit more concrete? And definitely, you know, in the past, would have worked with children, young people. You literally kind of you make it visual and you almost kind of make it into a story, depending on the level of understanding of the person. So the, the type of communication, the, the methods you'd use to explain that will vary depending on the person, but also the concepts you explore will be quite different. So for some people, I remember working with a, a six year old years ago and I'd literally kind of printed out a few pages on a booklet of what's called a social story. Uh, and it was about kind of having chats on the corridor. It was nearly like I stop, then I make eye contact and I ask, I ask, how are you? Then I ask a question, which sounds really kind of uh, almost, you know, the opposite of what you'd expect in terms of the natural flow of having a conversation or having a kind of a social interaction. Mm. But I suppose what, what we need to remember for people with autism is make it concrete initially. How do we teach it? Well, teach it concretely using pictures, uh, if possible, using, you know, simple enough language or language um, or pictures that the person will understand and trying to shape it up. So... Similarly with COVID-19, um, there's a lot of useful social stories or visuals out there, even cartoons as well, about explaining what COVID-19 is. And again, I suppose we need to pitch it to the level of the person we're talking about. So for some children that I work with, we might be kind of breaking the concepts down to simply saying school is closed and I have to remain in the home for the time being. Uh, for other people at Austin, they might have, you know, developed a great interest in what the virus looks like, you know, under a microscope, yeah. um, how its past word originated. Um, and we might be kind of explaining things in clear, simple, concrete language and terms. I think parents are, you know, very, very tuned to their children. So they'll know exactly what information I suppose they'd benefit from, what information to maybe uh, that they may have difficulty understanding. There has been a huge concerted effort from services and clinicians all over the country to kind of prepare um, visuals just to explain about COVID-19. The objective really is twofold. First of all, it's so they understand what's going to happen. And second of all, to minimise anxiety about it. 
Um, so I, I'd often explain that kind of predictability thing to parents coming into me with my diary. We all have kind of diaries and even, I suppose, our, our, our chat, Jan, if I, I didn't know it was going to be a, a particular time and on a particular day, I'd be, and you, you know, suddenly yeah. rung out of the blue and said, Aidan, you're on podcast now, I'd be inc- even more anxious than I am now. <laughs> I, I, I'd be incredibly worried. So if you can imagine what it's like, we all have our visual supports. We all have diaries. We all have kind of alerts on our phone or, you know, all those mm. kind of uh, supports that are there for us. Mm. And I suppose for people with autism, they absolutely rely on those even more. So what can we do to support them? It's really shape up the, the predictability in the environment. And that could be making a routine. It could be writing the routine down, you know, on the fridge, making it, you know, a picture schedule for them, put it on the fridge. Uh, might be talking them through their day in the morning. Well, today we're going to have breakfast first, then we're going to go out to the trampoline or whatever it might be. So all those methods to make things as predictable as possible really help to ease anxiety. For some people, you know, they might have quite extreme behavioural responses to this level of uncertainty and the shift in their Mm. predictable routine. Mm. And what can that sort of Mm. look like and how can parents support, support kids going through that? I suppose you could think of autism in terms of three waves. The first wave is the effect of autism itself. That's the difficulties with social communication, um, kind of sensory difficulties, uh, insistence on sameness. The second wave is how it impacts on the person's behaviour. So I suppose if, you know, if a person with autism really benefits from things being the same and almost has an insistence on that when things are different so when the routine has changed that can be associated with a lot of distress a lot of dysregulation um, and a lot of anxiety the third wave in terms of autism is the attitudes of people around them one thing to consider i suppose and it's very difficult during lockdown we don't have the same level of supports but just to be kind of mindful of the signs and symptoms. So what is it? What's the first kind of inkling that my son or my daughter might be starting to get a little bit dysregulated, might be getting a bit frustrated? It can be very subtle and it can be very fast as well. So for some young people, it might be they're pacing around a little bit. They're asking questions incessantly. The, the first thing to do is try and try and keep an eye on those things. And we can intervene at that stage. Yeah. If we talk about meltdowns, um, I often like to think of them in terms of like that build up to a volcano almost so we can kind of get in there at an early stage so let's say five is kind of the the meltdown period but between one and two you can kind of use little tool like distraction distraction is is really our friend at the moment during this lockdown period so if you start to notice someone is becoming a little bit frustrated a little bit dysregulated or anxious it might be changing the scene hey do you want to help me with the baking so that's kind of if you consider a five point scale or five is kind of a meltdown territory at a one or a two you can kind of get in there and distract in some way or redirect them to another activity when we're getting to three or four it's it's nearly batting down the hatches stage at that stage so really so what i've been advising or when talking to the families that i would work with a really important thing to remember is really keeping yourself safe and your family safe we're doing really well to keep our heads above the water really at the minute 
I can imagine that parents are really doing their level best to support their children as best they can. But I'm sure they're exhausted and really stressed. Mm. And I was wondering, you know, do you have... Um, whether it's communities or like online groups or whatever, have you any sort of resources that are good for parents to, to plug into just for that additional level of support? There's a couple of resources, certainly. Um, I, I suppose a, a brief word on coping, which is not specific to, to parents of children with autism or people with autism, um, but it's useful to think about coping in terms of two different types of coping. So the first is emotion-focused coping and the second is problem-focused coping. And they both kind of are appropriate for different times. emotion focus is, is best for things we can change. So at the moment, the government is advising us to kind of be on lockdown to an extent and remain two metres apart from each other and wash our hands. Uh, and there's a lot of awful lot of emotion and frustration, anxiety and anger that come with that. So the emotion focus supports, I suppose, would be useful for just sitting with that emotion if we feel able to. The second then problem focused coping is useful for things we can change. So I suppose when we get frustrated uh, and we were living with a person with autism or supporting a child with autism, what can we control? So the problem focused coping is, you know, good for, you know, well, let's uh, make a visual schedule. Let's uh, keep to routine. Let's try and keep the bedtimes kind of, you know, similar to summertime or as consistent as we can. In terms of resources, there's a lot of resources flowing about, but uh, two websites anyway. The first is the PSI, Psychological Society of Ireland website. They have a section on COVID-19 resources. So there's quite, quite a number of different resources there that might be useful. And they're categorized uh, for both, you know, uh, people with disabilities and also children and adults. Uh, another resource would be the As I Am website. Um, so they have some resources about autism, but also I know they're coming out with more resources soon. In terms of the more kind of educational side of things, Middletown Institute, which is a cross-border initiative, they have been doing some useful webinars um, for parents of children with autism and educators and professionals as well. And we do know, I suppose, when we talk about coping, socialization, so those social supports are really, really key. Um, so I suppose that connectedness is really, really important when a time when we're not really as connected to other people as we maybe usually are. It's important to, I suppose, feel that sense of connection. So I think those social media sites or those organizations or even enlisting if you, you know, have family or friends around or other supports just to kind of connect with them and is really important at this time. So just to repeat, those supports are asiam.ie and they have resources split based on whether you're someone with autism or you're a parent or a family member of someone with autism. It's really handy when you first go on the site. You can just choose based on on who you are. It's really handy. Then, as Aidan mentioned, the Psychological Society of Ireland also has a number of resources online related to supporting people generally during this pandemic and You can access those at psychologicalsociety.ie. I hope you found that chat with Aidan useful. And if you're someone dealing with these challenges at the moment, I really hope you're doing okay in yourself. I think that advice Aidan shared about almost dividing our coping response into emotion focused and problem focused is really helpful, even as a first step, just in navigating our way through, you know, what feels like the soup of life at the moment. I'm Janney Lanagon. We'll talk again tomorrow. And in the meantime, mind yourself. This podcast is created and edited by Paul Moriarty and me, Janney Lanagon. If you or someone you know is struggling with their mental health at the moment, please access helpline information 
at rte.ie forward slash helplines.